Thank you guys for joining us. Eight o'clock on a Friday, not our normal time, but we've got a very special episode of uh, Media Essential Workers. I'm Raza Siddiqui, joined by Sara Sadat, as always, helping me out, getting things going smoothly. We're trying something new, something that I think is very relevant with what we're dealing with, with a kind of isolation, social distancing. It's vitally important, especially in our industry. I believe, this is really what I believe, with all the stuff that we see, that we stay kind of connected, stay together, and share the stories with the people who are out there kind of seeing the same things we do. Um, if you've ever heard of the uh, Minicam Lounge, I call it the Minicam Ready Room, which is where we kind of prepare mentally to get out there and cover some of the stresses, some of the, um, the stories we have to cover that are not always easy to cover, but we have an opportunity to kind of talk with other people. We have an opportunity to share the stories that we've seen and uh, kind of be on the same page with everyone. We have that opportunity less so now. Um, we at uh, at my shop actually had a going away party not too long ago. And, and we had everyone kind of come together, even though socially distant. And it really was great just to catch up with people and see people. So that kind of, um, along with talking with one of my coworkers, gave us the idea to start doing this. That coworker, um, actually coworker, but who's at another shop, but we all kind of do the same thing. Tony Diasio. So Tony, welcome. And here's the thing, right? We were at a story outside of St. Sabina and we were kind of talking about, yes. um, yeah, we had done another Life, Love and the Grind, or actually Media Central Workers uh, segment, where we talked about diversity in the newsroom. We had uh, Kenny Bedford on, Dante Williams, and, and you had told me you had watched some of that and you enjoyed what we were doing and kind of wanted to talk a little about uh, the whole fake news, the, the, the whole uh, cry of some news is fake. So that was something we wanted to discuss. But more than anything, we wanted to kind of get to know you. Where are you coming from, Tony Diasio? Where am I coming from? I'm I'm coming from, I, I live out in uh, South Elgin. Um, so first I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Man, I've known you forever, 20 years, and you still talk to me. So thank you for that. <laughs> We've only known each other for 20 years. So especially with these whole shows and enterprises we got going you know it's always tough to, to to try to bring the work home and more and more to keep connected we've been doing a lot of that so it can be trying but i think we work together well but so do all of us in the field right doesn't matter which tv stations you're with when we're out in the field we all kind of work together because we're all facing the same thing well, we have to work together when we're on the field. There's no reason for me to step into your shot or bump you out of the way. We all have to get the shot. and We all have to get the same story. So we're all out there working together with each other. I know someday I'm going to run out of a battery and I'm going to need help. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, Raza, do you have a spare battery? I hope you do have one. And if I'm nice to you in the past, I hope that you might lend me a battery. <laughs> Uh, you know, or a cord or a microphone or, I mean, how many times have we, you know, helped each other out at, at press conferences and stuff? So I think it's absolutely important for us to all work together, um, especially now. Uh, these times that we're working in right now are so different than anything that we've ever had to deal with, um, you know, out in the field as, as crews. Uh, so, but to have each other's back out there um, is uh, – essential. I mean, it's it's an absolute must. I could ask you this, Tony. So I've known you for 20 years and I was talking to Sarah about this. You see people all the time. Like I've seen some of these people for five years 
and I don't know their names sometimes, right? I've seen them forever, but or, or the name escapes me. And that's really something that I believe we need to kind of get past and really get to know who we are, who we're working alongside of, who's got our back if something goes sour. So I want to ask you this. Um, what got you into this field? What made you, uh, a young Tony Diasio say, I want to grow up, I want to be a television photographer? Or did young Tony Diasio say that? Did he want to be something else? Did he get sidetracked? Did he get derailed? Or was this the ultimate goal? Tony young Diazio. Tony Diazio actually wanted to go into law enforcement, believe it or not. When huh. I was in high school, that was my goal. I said, I want to be in law enforcement. I, serve and protect, do that kind of thing. Um, then I took some courses into it and kind of went, wait a minute. This isn't my field. This is not what I want to do every day. You know, um, When I was in college, I went down to SIU and... Uh, I kind of fell into it. A friend of mine said, hey, come to this meeting with me. I don't want to go alone. So I went to a meeting uh, in this Channel 8 newsroom down at S uh, WSIU TV. And um, where a lot of careers started. There's a lot of a lot of us are from SIU. Absolutely. Between us and uh, ISU, I think that makes up about half of the city. <laughs> but uh, I, w I went to the meeting, volunteered in the newsroom. And my first day in there, I went out with our news director. And he goes, do you, do you know what you're doing yet? And I go, uh, I, sure. And he goes, grab a camera and come with me. Grab the gear. Hope that brought everything. I was, it was my first day. We went out and we shot a Vosat on a nursing home being remodeled in Carbondale, downtown. Came back and he says, if you don't know how to edit yet, go ahead and go home. We'll see you tomorrow. News starts at 4.30. Watch news when you get home. Yeah. I went home, turned it on, and I saw my work on TV. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind that I just watched the video that I took on television. And I went, okay, this is what I want to do. <laughs> it, was one, it, it was a Tuesday, you know. And Wednesday, I, I came in and I said, I found the news director and I go, I want to do that again. Huh. <laughs> and that's how I got started in it. And that, that was my the beginning of what is now a 20, boof, 25, 24-year 20, career so far. Well, yeah, you, you know, that's fascinating. I think people don't realize or they forget after doing this so long that initial kind of um, magic when you see your work on television. I remember what really invigorated me and made me want to do this is I grew up on the East Coast and I was always kind of like a hurricane buff. I was always like very interested in that. I, I love watching coverage of that. Mm -hmm. I remember watching a hurricane and the reporters doing that thing where they're swaying in the wind, right? The reporters got to sway in the wind. Oh, it's so bad out here. And I remember that the uh, photographer reached out from behind the camera and wiped the lens. I'm like, wow. So there's somebody there bringing this image and, and kind of showing us their perspective, their experience in the world. And that guy's getting all the credit. But look, 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 look at this. And that kind of fascinated me because as anyone who knows me, I'm a behind the scenes guy. I'll step up when I think there's there's a reason to do it. I'll step up when I think that there is something to be gained by my having to go up there. But I'm kind of an introvert. I like to stay behind. So I was like, that's what I wanted to do. I remember at that time I made that decision. That's what I wanted to do. And I got into my whole goal was always, um, you know, 
I don't know what I want to do though. I don't know which network I want to work for. So as you know, back in our CLTV days, back a uh, long time ago, I did that as well as being a stringer. So there was a lot of breaking news. But what, what I'll tell you is in our time at CLTV, we got to do a lot, right? It wasn't just like, um, you know how sometimes it's like, this is what you do. Tell, tell us a little about your time in that, uh, that legacy television station where a lot of us, a lot of us in Chicago got our start. I'm going to tell you what CLTV did for me what it turned me into a journalist is what CLTV was able to do because we were, we did everything, you know, we had to, we had to help out in editing. We had to help out. We never were writers, but every once in a while they would say, can you help me write, write this lead in or write because we were all so young at CLTV and the producers were young reporters were young. We helped write standups. We helped put together packages. We were sent on a lot more um, photo essays. You know, they would, you would come in on a Saturday and they would go, we need a minute 30. Go. Go find us and a minute. We were hungry. We would yeah. do it, right? They told yeah. us to do something. Thank you for the opportunity. Let's go. Right. It's okay. Uh, what do we come up with? Um, there was one, uh, one story that was interesting. It was at the All-Star game. So I want to think it was the 03 All-Star game was at Comiskey Park that year. Um, and I think it still was Comiskey Park, if I remember right. Um, but it was at Sox Park. And Anita had sent me down to, uh, she goes, go find me a minute 30 at the All-Star Festival. Huh. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> this room is so big. There is so much to do in this room. It's a documentary. I, how do I cut this room into a minute 30? How do I do this? And I just sat there and I shot my Vosat for the news. And then I had to find my minute 30. And I had just done an interview with Harold Baines uh, for the, the Vosat. I was able to grab him for a quick interview, which is something else, asking questions and doing stuff that we learned how to do. We were basically field producers along with photographers, along with whatever we needed to do. But right. it was, um, it, again, it was a kind of, if not an entry into the market, you were damn lucky to get a job there, at least when you knew this is what you wanted to do. You may have had your uh, eyes set somewhere else, but you started there and you gave it your all. Oh, it was a stepping stone. It was definitely a stepping stone into the market. Um, but it was an opportunity for us, uh, especially young kids. I think I was 24, you know, <laughs> when I started at CLTV. We were babies, you know, in this business and and playing with the big in the big leagues. Um you know, and given an opportunity to do it. So, of course, we're going to go out and we're going to hustle and do our best and try to get everything that we need to get. Um, but here I was in this big room at the All-Star Convention and uh, at the All-Star Festival, and I found a guy making Louisville Sluggers <laughs> with Louisville Slugger Company, and he was carving bats. That was my story. That was my minute 30. This is what I found. I found a minute 30 of this guy, how to make a baseball bat. That grabbed you know, your attention and were like, this is an angle I can focus on that, that tells a story maybe differently. Right, exactly. Something different. The Vosat is going to be the Vosat. There's kids running around. There's stuff going on. Come by tomorrow. Lots going on. But check this out. This is cool. This is neat how this guy is carving from a plank of wood, and he made a Louisville slugger for me in 15 minutes. I just carved it down. 
you know, I heard he's not the only one who can kind of do something with like uh, spare parts, wood lying around. We were on vacation recently. We're going to get into this real quickly. We have some new viewers here. If you're just joining us, uh, Media Central Workers, we are talking old CLTV days with uh, my buddy, Tony Diasio. A lot of us grew up at CLTV. We probably should have had the show earlier this year when uh, when they kind of, uh, you know, went where they went. But we've got new endeavors coming up, right? Like uh, WGN America. There's some exciting things on the forefront, but it's always great to catch up on what brought us together. You were talking about making uh, making things out of wood. You had vacation. Let's uh, let's see what Tony was up to during his vacation. Look what is this, Tony? What is this? <laughs> this is what you do with your old hockey sticks. Uh, my son plays hockey. I played uh, hockey since I was a teenager. Um, and this is what you do when you have a bucket of sticks sitting in your garage for too long. <laughs> I bet your wife was glad when that got out of the house and on the curbside, huh? Even in the form of a, of a mailbox. Yeah. I thought I got to do something creative with this stuff. I don't have enough to make. Now, a buddy of mine um, made a Stanley Cup, a full-size Stanley Cup with his broken sticks. And that thing is something to talk about. Um, but this was just a small project. I needed a new mailbox, and the other one was falling apart. So I was like, how do I fix it? I got an idea. <laughs> so you're so much far more handier than wood. With, I mean, I, I don't even know where to go with this. Um, do we have a commercial break we can go to real quick? <laughs> no, we don't. I'm like, maybe I can commission one from you. But since you ran out of it, who knows at this point? But, you know, Raza, go out there. Go in the garage and go play around. Maybe well, fix that old uh, chair that you broke for me recently. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're on Media Central Workers where my wife, Sarah Sedat, is severely castigating me for uh, not being as handy as our good buddy, Tony Diasio, um, who created this. Uh, sorry, pop that up there again. If you yeah, would, sure. who, who was able to, on his vacation, create this beauty out of uh, old hockey sticks, his own and his son's. Yep. This is beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It was uh, it was a fun project to do. Uh, it kept me busy for a couple of days and uh, gave me something to do. Was able to kind of erase my brain with everything going on in the world and sit in my garage with some glue and a saw and. <laughs> it worked out because if it didn't and it looked bad, my wife would have been upset with me. <laughs> Get that out of, out of the front of my house, right? <laughs> What's up with the garbage doing out there? So, <laughs> so let's but, talk about why we're doing this, Tony. So yeah. uh, we were talking about this kind of before we went on air, right? As a television photographer, we're out there, we're covering stories. A lot of times we're spending more time with our uh, competitors. People might not realize this. Um, uh, photographers from other stations and sometimes we are with our own guys because we're out there covering stories sometimes on the same shift and we were talking about how often like you will know people for years but because you're so invested in the story you're on a deadline you're doing stuff you don't really have a chance to get to know them more than superficially get to know their names so this is kind of a way since we're all physically separated to really get to know each other know what inspires us what challenges us what we think of the industry i mean we're all kind of silently thinking to ourselves where's broadcast going what's this going to look like in 10 years why think about it silently why not dialogue about this so that's why uh tony you're here you're here to to, to tell us where you're coming from tony diasio um i'm coming from i'm grateful that we have jobs right now i'm grateful that we're working i'm grateful that um we're essential Mm. Uh, during COVID, you know, we were able to keep and get out and tell stories and tell the public what's going on and, and try our best to bring 
some of the stories we've been covering have been horrible, you know, just horrible stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, murders and death and shootings and all those the babies that are getting have been getting, you know, victims of violence in the city. Uh, but to be able to go out and tell some positive stories and what people are doing uh, to help each other out and and uh, and doing that and also to be able to be out there for each other. You know, we have everybody has each other's back out there in the field. And I think it's, uh, you know, that's basically. You're absolutely right. And, and that's what we find very often is like people are like, oh, your, your competitors over there. I just saw so-and-so over there. And what they don't realize is at the end of the day, I mean, we're all out there doing the same thing. Like, like we were talking about our CLTV connection. We basically grew up in this industry together at CLTV and then separate, but we've always kind of seen the same thing. We've known each other maybe longer than some of the employers that we work at. So there's a level of loyalty and we're always willing to help each other out, which a lot of the public doesn't see. But again, the reason for doing this is because we're out there working sometimes in hazardous conditions, pandemics, uncertain conditions, but we're trying to tell a story. We're trying to tell people about the community that they are living in. Um, mm -hmm. And we try to do so honestly, but but sometimes um, you hear differently. Sometimes you hear people, oh, you're part of the problem. You're part of the fake news. Tony, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to tell you, that's my biggest pet peeve. That's this phenomenon of the fake news. Mm -hmm. It absolutely drives me crazy. I can. There's a part of me that understands where people are coming from. Um, some of the news that are out there, that stations that are calling themselves news, whether it's on the internet or it's on cable channels, there's so much 24 hour news that's out there that some of it's become entertainment shows and it's opinionated. And a lot of it is when they bring on the panel, five people are down. Now you're talking opinions because now you're asking, what do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? That's not what we do. That's not what we do in news. We don't tell my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. My job is to find the facts, find out what happened, and tell you. <laughs> that's what we do. You know, that's what we do out there every day. So when people stop and they pull up on us when when uh, roadside at a press conference, I mean, how many times has it happened when a car will pull up and that's, someone in that car is angry and they start screaming at us, you're the problem, you're the fake news, get out of here, you're fake news. Come on, you see me standing here. You see that there's going to be a press conference or there's a uh, protest going on or we're at a burning house, we're at a fire, we're at a scene, we're at a crime scene. Turn around. That crime scene is 100% real. Mm. There's nothing fake about it, right? Those police are out there, it's real. Fire department are out there, that's real. The family, they're real. What happened to them? That's real. Absolutely real. You know, tell that to a 15 year old mother that what happened to her son was fake. <laughs> See what her response is. We're covering that story. So our job is to go out there and find out who that 15 year old was and tell the world who he was. Share his story. Who was this victim? Who, how is this affecting his family? How is mother dealing with this now? And, and again, we're in local news. This affects the communities that that, that we are part of, right? These affect communities that um, people that we know 
may know someone. These are people. There's an investment in there, right? That there's nothing to be gained by by having an agenda. Per se, like you said, everything is real. Well, not yeah. just the agenda. I mean, you guys are going out there and covering this um, heartbreaking news left and right and left and right. And, you know, the, there's always the good aspect, the happy, fluffy news that you guys cover where we found a puppy. I'm just kidding. But there's also yeah. that, that horrible aspect of life that is actually happening right now with um, homeless people not getting enough shelters or enough space because everyone is quarantined, right? How do you guys deal with this? I mean, I, I honestly, at the end of the day, when Reza comes home, I'm like, here, do you want a teddy bear? Do you want a bunny? Do you want a blanket? What do you want to feel comfortable? Like, what do you have to say to some of the uh, Give me my no, blankie and a beer and I'm all set. <laughs> because you have been in this industry for so long, what is it that you can tell some of the other guys that are, and, and, and the other girls that are listening out there who are in this news covering this hard stuff left and right? How do you just sit back, relax, and just absorb everything that has happened and yet lead a life where you can build a mailbox for your wife? That's actually a really, really good question. It's some of the hardest things to deal with, the things that we see, the things that we deal with on a daily basis, um, similar to first responders. We're not first responders. Don't get me. I'm not going to call us first responders. I always say we're second in line. <laughs> we're second on scene. You know, we're we're the second responders trying to figure out what's going on. But to to see these things day after day after day, and how do you deal with it, Roz? You kind of hit it on the head. A blankie and a beer sometimes makes the world feel a little bit better. <laughs> but a blankie and a beer too much becomes a problem, you know, and, and it's a fine line between balancing that and having a problem with too many blankies and too many beers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to do this thing. When I look at my viewfinder, I see a TV screen. It creates a filter with reality sometimes. Absolutely. That's a filter because reality is out in front of me and I'm seeing it on TV right here. Mm. I'm watching it and I'm making the shots and I'm I'm seeing it as this could be a flooded river or this could be a shooting scene. This could be a football game. It's all the same. It's happening in front of me and I'm documenting it. And I see it on that TV screen. And I go in the truck and I put it together and I do my editing and I try to tell a great story. I do my best at that every day when I work. And once it gets on air, I drive home and erase this. <sighs> you got to erase it. You'd have to do your best to erase it. But there's some stories that you can't. You just can't. That little boy up in Crystal Lake, um, AJ Friend, mm -hmm. can't erase that. I'll never erase that. You know, uh, the week, I think it was the week after his story was, there was some closure to his story. You know, we figure out what happened with mom and dad and the whole, and, you know, they were arrested and now in, seen in front of a judge. That next week, down on the south side, um, was that girl who had the baby. Um, her, her baby was, she was murdered. The, the pregnant woman. Um, uh, her name is slipping my, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, but if you remember that story, uh, that was back to back stories. You know, one month we were up in Crystal Lake 
come in on Monday and we were down covering that story. The one by uh, kind of by Ford City Mall, if I'm uh, thinking of the same one. So yeah. Southwest side a little bit. Yeah, it was like Southwest side. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough week. I remember that. And it was a, it was it was a horrible horrible story. Uh, I mean, her baby was ripped from her. You know, and and we're out in front of the house where she was, where the where the lady, the young lady was murdered. Hmm. So we were in front of the suspect's house. And she was found in a garbage can, I believe, in the basement. Anyway, not to get too many details, gory details on this show. But when you deal with those stories back to back like that, my wife said to me, she goes, you need a vacation. This is affecting you. You're not sleeping. You're having trouble communicating. You've been a zombie. You know, I, I, I come home and, and I just. Quiet, maybe. <laughs> right? You're in your world. Yeah, you're just in this world and you're consumed in it because day after day after day, they, the station's like, I'm sure they do this with you guys too. If you're on a story, they'll keep you on that story, you know, for days in a, in a, in a row. You're familiar with it. You know the lay of the land. You know where to put the trucks. You know where to park. You know where the live shots are happening. You know where the press conferences are going to be held. They don't have to tell you anything. They say you're going back again. You know, here's go. Hmm. Get on the air. So when you're covering a story like that day after day after day after day, and I was working the morning shift um, for the majority of the time with that. And um, uh, me and Mugo were out there up in Crystal Lake and every day just was getting harder and harder and harder to cover this story. And then we started learning more and more and more about it. And how do you deal with that in your head? You know, I mean, how, it, and I asked that question, a lot, and that's why it was such a wonderful question that you asked. That is, you have to learn how to deal with with that. You know, you have to learn how to deal with the situations that we see every day and the, some of the horrific things that we see every day, and then you balance those out with the uh, story that you do on the baseball team. <laughs> you know, going to a, a college World Series was the was the break that I got uh, from those horrible stories. I went and shot a sports story. And that was one of the best days I had at work in a long time because I was, <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Thank God for baseball being back. I mean, um, <laughs> I wasn't the only one that has questions for you. Carrie um, already is listening in and she actually had a question. So what are, I mean, not just around how to deal with some of the ups and the downs in the industry, but like, what are your recommendations for the next generation of journalists to just get started? Um, it's not easy to pick up a camera and be a cameraman. I mean, I know that with this day and age that we live in, it may seem like it, but how do you get started? And what are some of um, maybe like your top five or top six things that you can tell the young journalists who wanna get started with? Learn, um, that's a good, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question, but it's a good question too. Learn how to um, enjoy what you do. If, if you enjoy doing what you do, you know, there's that always that saying, if you love your work, you never go to work, right? If you love what you do, it's not really work for you. It's more of a hobby that you're able to do every day. Um, learn how to do it. Learn how to be your journalist. Learn how to do it correctly. Learn how to do it honestly. Learn how to um, 
keep your opinions out of your reporting and document the facts that are in front of you and learn how to translate that into your story. Um, and if it's stressful for you at the beginning, don't hesitate. <laughs> don't hesitate to, to, to find a different avenue. Um, some people have it. Some people don't. You know, some people can't. They just can't can't cut it. And it, this is one of those businesses that I, a journalist is a journalist. The storyteller is going to be a storyteller. And some people just, it's not in their blood. And mm -hmm. I think it has to be in your blood. I think it has to be one of those things that you fell in love with early in your career, uh, whether it was from when you were a child and you go, I'm going to be a journalist when I grow up. I'm going to be an anchor man. I'm going to be on TV. Yeah, I'm going to be a reporter. Um, and those reporters are out there, you know, and there's people who wanted to do this since they were little kids. And then there's people that you you find it, you fall in love with it, and you just go for it. And you, but. And then there are the people who just want the celebrity of it and love the celebrity of it. And those are the people you usually find who, um, after a certain amount of time, say, well, let's see what else we can do. Like you said, it's really in your blood. And I'm going to weigh in a little bit, too. I know this question was towards Tony, but I always think um, find a good mentor. I, I, I know um, growing up in this industry, if there weren't people who took me under their wing and kind of uh, smacked me when I did something wrong or complimented me when I did something right, I wouldn't be uh, half the journalist that... Uh, that I at least think I am, <laughs> whatever else anyone else thinks, it's besides the point. I enjoy what I do, and I think to be successful, you have to find people who are going to invest the time to make you successful. Tony, tell us about your mentor. I'm sure you've had a, a couple in this field. Oh, I've had a, more than a couple uh, mentors in this field. Um, one of them is a good friend of ours. You know Vince Munyan. Yeah. Um, Vince Munyan is a guy that I owe my career to. Um, he, I met him when I was in college and th there's going to be two that I'm going to mention here. So if Kevin, if you're watching, stand by one second, <laughs> but, um, uh, Vince money. And when I was in college, we went to an IMBA convention down in Decatur and I had a question about something as silly as sequencing, believe it or not. I could not grasp why medium and tight did the, the sequencing in the, in, in video, uh, so for anyone out there who doesn't know what sequencing is, it's when you watch, when you, when you watch here, I'll explain this, this is actually pretty easy. And this is exactly what Vince told me. I got to tell you a story before you explain what it is. Yeah. I was a television photographer for two years before I once uh, Googled, what is the reason we sequence? And then it made sense, but it's like, it's almost such an abstract concept until you really get down to it. Then you're like, that makes perfect sense. So Tony, what was sequencing? Sequencing is this. You walk into a scene. Let's walk into a room. What does your brain see? First thing your brain sees is the whole room. That's your wide shot, the room. Then your brain automatically zooms into the table in the front of the room, the whole table. It's 20 people sitting in front of a table, right? So you see this wide room full of people. You see 20 people. Now your brain is going to zoom into two people, the main speaker at that table, wide, medium, tight. That's the sequence. That's the sequence, and, and that's how your brain tells the story. I'm in this large room. There's a table and a speaker. 
right? So that's how our brain works. Our brain will automatically zoom into these things. And that's just what you you focus in on. We can't just focus in on things like this with our camera. So we have to physically show you this wide room, a table, and a speaker, right? So Vince basically said, picture a construction site on the side of a road. You see a line of guys working on the side of the road, and they're all digging. What's the first thing you see? And I said, well, a line of workers. He goes, wide shot. <laughs> What's the next thing you see? And I go, maybe uh, one one guy. Goes, right. You see one worker. The guy closest to you, you see one. He's digging. He's shoveling. <laughs> now your brain is going to go, what is he doing? Tight shot. Shovel going into the ground, coming out, in and out of frame, right? Now I could cut away to anything from there. I can cut away to a shot of his face this way. So there's a sequence. Construction, worker, digging, and he's sweating, right? So there's a sequence. And that's how we tell stories. We always tell stories in sequences. So Vince Bunyan explained this to me when I was 21 years old at this IMBA conference. And afterwards, he said, hey, we're late for lunch. We're going to miss this lunch because we're over here talking. Let's go. I'm buying you lunch. Second most important lesson, never miss lunch. Never miss a lunch. Never miss a lunch. Angry photographer is the worst person in the world to be with. <laughs> Hungry photographer is an angry photographer. Dude, we're horrible. <laughs> so he takes me out to lunch, and after lunch, he gives me his business card. And he goes, you ever need anything, give me a call. I kept that card in my wallet. Through college, through my two years at Rockford, when I worked in Rockford, I worked at WREX for two years, almost two years out in Rockford. And then one day I gave Vince a call. Hmm. And he hired It's time. It's time. It's time. It was it was time to move on to, out, out from Rockford. And I went, I don't want to go to Madison. I don't want to jump around states. I don't want to go all over the place. I'm from here. I want to work here. My goal is to work in the city. Let me give Vince a call and see if there's opportunity. Co-worker of mine kind of knew a guy and might be not be working out over there. So she said, give him a call. Right now might be a good time for you to call him. I said, I have this card right here. <laughs> and that's one of my mentors. And he's always been there for me. He's always in when he was at Channel 7, he's at Channel 5, and then recently was at, at, we worked together at Channel 2. And uh, But I still owe him every day you know, of my career in, in the city because of him. You know, I think you hit on another good point. You, you mentioned IBA, uh, Illinois News Broadcasters Association. I think um, you can't, uh, I always, I don't even know why I say this. I can't remember overstate, understate, but uh, I can't exaggerate, I guess, the importance of belonging to these affiliations, these organizations oh. that will put you in touch with these mentors that will expose you to uh what the industry really is like, because again, you met Vince here, you were put in a situation where you could get the questions answered and, and, and talk to other peers who have done what you want to do and, and learn from them. Um, I do want to actually take a minute and see that I see, aside from Carrie, Jerry uh, is doing this the right way. If you guys are watching this, it looks like quite a few people are, you can ask a question via comment. It'll pop up here and we'll make sure that uh, 
Tony gets that question, or you can actually click that link and pop up and uh, ask the question yourselves and not let me um, botch your question. So, sorry, did you already ask Jerry uh, what his question was? Yeah, we did. And then um, we're also having a private chat off on the side. So, you know, if you don't want to make it part of your of the Facebook live feed as well as YouTube um, that we're on, you can go ahead and do a private chat and your name and your question is uh, kept off of the feed. So mm -hmm. that's just another way that you can um, engage with our guest here. Okay, so Jerry asks. Oh, Jerry didn't have anything to ask right now. So he's gonna be asking us shortly. Jerry, hopefully. feel free to ask <laughs> and any of our viewers again, uh, feel free to ask and we will be sure to uh, ask that of Tony and get a question. Hey, Roger, let me touch back to the uh, finding a mentor. Uh, this is going to go back to that the young journalists who, what do you recommend uh, for the next generations? And you said, find mentors. That's 100% right. Find people that can help you uh, in this business. They will guide you. We all had the help. We were all interns at one point in our career. We mm -hmm. all had somebody that helped us uh, editing. They, Someone who helped us. Uh, how to work a camera, how to white balance the camera, how to not use your automatic iris. <laughs> All little tiny things that people along the way have helped me in my career, whether it's coworkers or guys out in the field that see me making a mistake and kind of grab me by the collar and say, hey, young man, step back. Step back over here. <laughs> Stay back here. Shoot from here. We'll all get the shot. We'll all get there. Right. It's, it's it's happened. I mean, we've all had somebody and you looked at them and you didn't say, who do you think you are telling me how what to do? You looked at that photographer and you said, hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it because you're trying to teach me. You're not trying to make me look like an idiot. You're teaching me something and I'm going to learn from you. And I appreciate that. You make good friends with them and they will help you along the way whether you're at a press conference and there was a, a young reporter, I, I think they were at Northwestern and they were struggling with their cable. It was at a press conference <laughs> and they were just had this bees bird's nest of a cable. He was trying to put it in his bag and he couldn't. And I said, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let me show you something. And you're like, chew on it a little. That'll help too. Yeah. <laughs> we untangled it together. And I taught this young man how to do the over-under technique and how to just wrap a cable. And I go, that way, the next time you go to a press conference, this thing is not going to be tangled up. And you're going to be able to grab one end, plug it in, walk it right up to the podium, plug it right into your microphone, and you're not going to have a mess. Someone taught me that. And I was able to teach them that. You know? So it's a, it's a give and take. And one day you will teach me that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you working Saturday? <laughs> you know, if you want him out of the house, send him your way for sure, just to do something different. Well, you know, I will ask you about that because, like you said, there's that level of professionalism. We started at CLTV, it was fun, we got to do a lot, but I, I'm sure you, like myself, would uh, talk to the guys at the other stations, find out what it was like to work at a union shop, find out what it was like. Um, financially in terms of everything else professionalism we're in two different unions you're you're a member of ibw um uh john rizzo being the business agent we've had him on a lot of times i'm the vice president of nabit um we work at different unions but the philosophy is the same to kind of engage that professionalism and then compensate for that professionalism tell me about the first time you learned what a uh, union photographer makes when you were uh, 
a curious little guy at CLTV and how that impacted uh, your thoughts. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. I knew we were making minor league money. CLTV, I was called CLTV AAA ball. We we were playing in the minors out in Oak Brook, and we were having a good time doing it. And we all understood um, as much as some of the guys did want to unionize while we were out there. Um, we we understood. We, it, it all made sense to us. But when it's time to move on and it's time to come downtown, when I came to uh, WFLD was my first job out, out of uh, CLTV, I don't even want to talk about the, the money was – it's a different contract, you know, it, it, the, it's life-changing money, uh, you know, from what we made there to, to what we made uh, at some of the downtown stations. But beside that, it was a whole different, it was a different atmosphere. It was a different, uh, a, di- a different way of working. Um, it was a more polished way of working. It was more understood what your job was what you needed to do and what your responsibilities are and what someone else's responsibilities are and what their responsibilities are to build the whole team mm. to be able to get a product on the air. Um, and that part was, uh, was interesting to learn. Um, not that we didn't do it when we were at CLTV, but it was a little, it was just a little bit different. Um, we were younger and we were all eager and everyone wants to get our hands in there and, and, and do a great job. And we did, we, I thought we put a great product on um, some of these plaques that you're behind me are from CLTV. So uh, we did good work out there and it was definitely recognized. So the kindergarten plaque that I see in the back, that's also from CLTV, right? Just, uh, just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This was my first award right here, my kindergarten graduation. Uh, <laughs> I can hear my wife downstairs laughing because she doesn't think what like you're talking about. <laughs> hey, that's important. I see two Emmys there. I see probably a degree, but then just to have another kindergarten plaque that really, like, you know, sets this whole mood and perspective of where you're coming from, Tony Diazio. When, when we first moved into this house, I, I said, let's have a little award wall in the office and put, put, put a couple of my plaques up. And then my son graduated kindergarten here, and uh, that's an award. That goes up on our award wall. And then uh, one of the teams that I coached when he was little, uh, we took second place in the season, and that's up there. You know, that team picture is up on this wall too. Uh, this one that looks like a diploma right here over my shoulder. This was actually an award my son won um, for uh, his um, uh what was that award for? It was a CAD competition, uh, like computer-aided design uh, and engineering. Mm-hmm. And he took first place in regionals uh, as a freshman. And that was the plaque that he got for winning first place in regionals. Uh, so he, there was award, no so. way that he was going to be a journalist <laughs> like you then in that sense. No, there's a part of me that would love if he did if he did follow in my footsteps. I mean, who what father yeah. wouldn't love to have, you know, his child uh, – uh, following their footsteps, but I'm kind of grateful he's not. Um, he's going to have headaches in his career, but I'm glad they're not my headaches. 
Well, and that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. We, we we've talked about with our uh, with unions with knowing what everyone does. Um, it's it's always kind of been the case, but let's be honest. We're in an evolving industry. We're in an industry that's constantly changing. People are looking to see how jobs can be combined. And I always uh, I, I tell my wife and even some uh, coworkers sometimes you don't want to be that union who's preserving how to do something like the last of the horse carriage union, right? You want to evolve with the changing industry. You want to make sure that you're taking ownership of new technologies, but also claiming what you do. If people are saying, hey, you might have to start asking questions again, do you really want to relinquish that to, to somebody else when that might be part of a job later on? Where do you feel this industry is going? Where do you feel uh, we need to go in order to continue to be storytellers effectively within this industry? That's a tough question. Uh, where do I think? I hope the industry leads and the way it's changing is I hope it's just the way it's delivered. Um, whether it's through internet or streaming video. I mean, everything is streaming. There's so much TV shows now. Um, me being an old guy, we just finally got some streaming video out of the house. Uh, Media Central Workers, the one channel you should subscribe to. Exactly. But there's there's um, different ways to deliver the news. But the good news is, is there's still news. You know, there's still news that has to be delivered. So there's still journalists that have to be had and there's still camera operators, uh, whether it's me going out with the camera and asking questions or how we're collecting it. Um, I think sometimes can depend on how well it can be told. And if we want to make sure that these stories are being told the best way we can tell them, that's the important part for our unions, I think right now, is to make sure that you have the crews and the people to be able to deliver the news the best way. How it's delivered doesn't really affect me as much. I feel it doesn't because whether it's broadcast over airwaves, free television, which will, I think that'll always be there. Everyone's going to still have antennas of some sort to collect, you know, um, media. But to be able to put these stories online and stream them or put them on internet or put a, a half hour live newscast together still is a little bit irrelevant to what we do out in the field. Because we still have to collect those news stories and we still have to go out and do them. And and I think it's key for our unions to make sure that there's workers, there's editors, there's photographers, there's operators, reporters, producers, writers, and all the unions that are represented in them and all of those groups to make sure that people are working and people are, are being able to tell the story the best way they can. I got to tell you, I think uh, what's exciting in our market, because we've seen a lot of attrition, we've seen, unfortunately, um, that the industry isn't always moving the way we had envisioned it. But but again, with uh, what's happening at WGN, I know we've had uh, people at our shop, and it seems like shops all around the city that are that are kind of um, 
able to uh, people are going over there and, and it's exciting to see that that uh, there is a news operation that's actually hiring with everything that we hear about the industry going the other way so um you know that's an endeavor that that i think a lot of us are excited about about <laughs> that investment in local news but i do want to talk about because that's a positive sometimes we hear about the negative in your time in this industry how have things changed what have what changes have you witnessed that have excited you which have uh, uh, concerned you. Tell us about uh, w- walk us through the ups and the downs. The ups and the downs. Um, there's been there's there definitely has been ups and downs through you know through the years on how news is being gathered. Um, I'm I'm one thing that I am grateful for is as I will say our unions. Both of our unions have done a pretty good job about keeping jobs, keeping photographers, photographers, editors, editors, uh, producers, producing, writers, writing, uh, reporters, reporting. Um, But you do see more and more, especially in smaller markets, uh, MMJs, you know, multimedia journalists that are going out and um, producing, writing, shooting, editing doing all the all the work uh, you know that a crew would do to put the put the story together um, so that's uh, does it concern you Tony yeah it does concern me uh, from time because it's uh, more work less people mm. you know so that's definitely jobs and that that does that's always a concern uh, for anybody that works in any industry uh, to, to see a station want to lay off jobs or cut jobs or cut positions, um, you do see newsroom shrinking. Um, you do see uh, scale backs. And then you said this here's this big positive with uh, what WGN is doing right now uh, with their national thing. And they're hiring. I know guys that have been out of the business for years uh, doing other stuff or working at production companies or doing uh, just out of the news business are now back in the news business because there's opportunity. So I love that. I know I love to see see growth. Uh, you know, stations doing some new things. You, you love to see uh, more journalists having jobs, and you love to see again that investment into journalism. Uh, again, a lot of these stories, I believe, are told because of that investment because people are out there, you know, turning over rocks, finding the stories, and sometimes. When we hear about these cutbacks, it, it's really taking spotlight away from our community about stories we could do. Um, and I think that's exciting, too, that, that, that again, there's that investment into journalism within our community and local news. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. Um, it, it, this kind of goes back to a little bit of, we were talking about this earlier, this fake news mm. uh, phenomenon. And I think a lot of stations, especially local news, uh, and a lot of the companies are saying, we're the honest station. We will bring you the truth. We will bring you the news, the actual news, you know? So no, 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 spin, no spin. <laughs> right. There's no fake news coming out in this station. Um, but I think more stations are trying to clean up a little bit and protect their image by saying, we're not, what you think we are. We're not what you think is fake news. We're telling you real journalists. We're real journalists. We're hardworking. We're asking the questions. What other stations have catchphrases, you know, uh, but it's, it's true. 
And you need people to do that. And you need workers to do that. That got me back when the economy hit the wall in um, 08. Hmm. I got caught up in layoffs and I was out of work for about a year. Uh, working at production houses. I freelanced at Fox News Channel for a little bit as an audio technician. Uh, did some work there to try to make ends meet. And then uh, stations, when the economy picked up, they were looking to add bodies again. You know, they're adding more people. They're adding, adding, adding bodies to the field. And now with this fake news, you need journalism. You need journalists. You need people that you could that the stations can put out there. They could trust, and they could put out. And you're the face of a station, which is weird to say that I can be a face of a station, but I'm driving a billboard with a big CBS logo on it. <laughs> I am the face of the station to the people that see me. Hmm. You know, That's why you don't be cutting people off or doing anything else because again. You are, you're basically the relationship of the station to right. those people who are witnessing that billboard. Absolutely. Exactly. But I'm also the person who's at that press conference. I'm the person shooting the interview. I'm the person that's, I'm in your living room, hmm. uh, you know, either with a reporter or we're just collecting, I'm by myself and grabbing a quick interview uh, outside your house. I'm in a big Channel 2 news truck here in a Channel 5 news truck. It's Channel 7, Channel 9, FLD. We're all in labeled vehicles. We represent our station, and the station needs to have people that can represent them in a good light and be able to say people go, oh, yeah, no, I'll put on that station today because that guy was a pretty honest fella. The reporter, the crew, was, seemed that I liked them. I'm going to watch their station, you know, and then you watch the station and go, oh, wow, that was a really good story that they put together. And that changes people's perspective of what they think of us, you know, as, as the news. Are we fake? No. <laughs> but, it, you know, some people do still have that in their mind, and uh, and we have to be able to be out there to change their mind uh, out in the field. And that's, you know. I think I think that's a great point. Sorry, I, I see you're uh, busy chatting away, having some conversations. That's some uh, questions that are coming up. Yeah, no, Jerry was just basically saying that um, you know there are new things every day. Never let your guard down, and uh, think the way that the only way to do things is not that only way, right? So you can continue to think outside the box. Um, he is uh, applying for WGN station, but when you see an old guy, he says he's 60 and still shooting camera. Uh, great job, Jerry. Uh, when you see an old guy walk through the door, younger crew members see you differently. So continue to like, you know, think outside the box and think that there's people who, who have been relevant and have been part of this industry for so long that, um, you know, you can't never let your guard down. You have to continue to be vigilant. So. And, and and I think the most important thing is um, people, I think, if they view you differently, you should probably view you as someone with experience. I know one of the big things about and, and what I love about working in a union, working for a union shop is we all get the same contract. We all get the same opportunities. You go in there, you get the skills, you've proven yourself, and you're able to um, have the same opportunities as everyone else. And I echo Sarah Sendeman, um, you know, uh, congratulations, Jerry, for, for, for doing this and, and for finding an opportunity and applying for it. And we wish you nothing but luck. I mean, absolutely um, support uh, support that kind of an endeavor and that kind of an ambition. We need more journalists. 
who have experience. We have we need more people in journalism altogether to keep this going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wish this guy the best. Uh, uh, still uh, towing around cameras. I hope I'm able to still keep a camera on my shoulder when I'm 60. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's my wife laugh again. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because we, we actually had. Um, so this is the first time we've kind of done this segment where we um, have kind of talked and introduced people to each other. But we had Kenny Bedford on what was it, maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about um, diversity in the newsroom and issues of telling an inclusive story. And and I remember he was kind of telling me his agent, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wow, congratulations. I'm like, how do you do it? I can't do it at, at this age. And it's just, uh, like you said, just to have that wherewithal to be able to do it and, and, and do something you love into that age. Like you said, it's never work if you love what you do. Keep doing it. No, it is. It's not work. It's it's you get to be able to do your hobby uh, every day when you go out in the field, uh, and you know you be able to tell stories and uh, tell your story through the lens of a camera. Uh, and yeah, God bless guys who could do it late in their careers. I hope I can still make it that late that late in my career uh, as a storyteller. But um, you know, some guys do it pretty smart. I think Kenny's been carrying that card around with him for the last 20 years. I don't think I've ever – he's always had that card with him. And uh, his back saver, he pulls around his tripod, everything's tied on there nice, and he pulls that thing around from his truck up to press conferences every day. Or that big light that just blasts everything else, and everyone's got Iris down until he's done, and then you're completely in the dark. But, yeah, I mean, he's got his tricks of his trade. He's been doing this uh, – for a long time and just one of those guys who you know is gonna when he comes here because he's been doing it a while he takes command of the scene and, and sometimes we just got to step back and, and and see what he does right that's all you can do kenny shows up it's time to start you know, <laughs> so when is this press conference gonna begin oh kenny's here we're good we'll up in a minute then that sun gun goes on and that breaks the whole room up. It's the <laughs> press conference to begin. <laughs> and all the all the house lights go dim because of all the power it consumes. Uh, anyone watching this who, who works with us, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you don't, hit us up afterwards. We'll all share the story. Kenny's a great sport. He was great on the show when he was on there. But again, I just do want to talk about what we are doing here. Tony was our first uh, segment for um, Where Are You Coming From? Tony Diasio, but what we're trying to do is really um, introduce ourselves to the other people we see in the field who we've seen for years, but never really gotten a chance to dialogue with them. Now that we're all physically separated, let's do it. Let's get to know each other. Tony, um, leave us with a final thought here. My, my final thought is enjoy what you do. Go out, enjoy it every day. Be grateful that we're able to go out and do a, a profession that we love to do. We're storytellers. We go out, we tell stories, whether it's in an edit bay or it's out on the field with our camera and our live truck and a reporter that we're able to go out and uh, and collect the news and document the world that happens in front of us and share that with our viewers and be able to uh, to bring a story into your living room. Tony, thanks for joining us on your Friday night. Um, I know you had a week of vacation. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it and I'm ready and prepared to get back to not work, but doing what you love, as you said. So, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. And, and thank you to all our viewers who kind of uh, uh, participated in this and, and those who just watched. Again, um, the, 
the number is scrolling at the bottom, the way to contact us, if you'd like to be a guest as well and kind of talk about what it is that you do and your philosophy on covering local news and how you've gone about making a, a career out of it, we'd love to have you. Tony, thank you again and look forward to seeing you on the street. Sounds fantastic. And Raza and Sara, thank you very much for having me on the program today. It was a pleasure to be able to share my story. And uh, I hope to uh, hear more stories from other journalists and see how we all compare in this world. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks again. And take care. Bye. 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 Bye.